You are listening to audio from Haddington Elam Church. We hope you are encouraged by this today. For more information about our weekly services or messy church, you can find us at haddingtonelamchurch.com. So we've all been blessed with the new year. And as I said last week, if we're not careful, we can bring last year's baggage and rubbish and things with us. I have had a, a thing, I don't know if you remember, Sam, where I had like the carry-on bag. And it's like people just carrying all their mistakes and all their stuff with them, like hand luggage, year from year to year. Sometimes it's time we need to check that. We can look forward to the new year or face it with dread. I know some people are like, oh, you know, I shared that meme a couple weeks ago where I'm already tired tomorrow. Some people are like, I can't even deal with the new year. We can face it with dread. It's really up to us. In life, some people grab the bull by the horns. Opportunities come. They take advantage and grab the opportunity. Others let it pass them by. I have a lot of quotes today. They'll be on the screen. There's a couple about opportunities. This first one's from Helen Keller. She says, often we look so long at the closed door that we do not see the one that has been opened for us. And sometimes we cry over spilled milk. We're just like, oh man, that didn't work out. I didn't get that job. I didn't get that promotion. I didn't get whatever it was. And not realize that maybe God's opened a new door. I remember one time I was applying for this job. I was qualified and I didn't get it. And I'm not joking, within, I think two months later, that company ended up going bankrupt, even if I had gotten the job. But I remember, though, going home so discouraged, because it would have been a good fit. But God knew that that wasn't going to be the door that was for me. And then Winston Churchill, this is a famous quote from him, he says, A pessimist sees the difficulty in every opportunity. An optimist sees the opportunity in every difficulty. Sometimes it's our perspective how we see it. They always say that one expression, one man's junk is another man's treasure. Have you ever heard that one? Where it's like, we should be looking at the opportunities that God gives us. One of the things that people say at this time of year is that they'd like to make resolutions or a fresh start. Anyone make New Year's resolutions this year? Anyone still keeping their resolutions? I was half joking, I said to Sherry, my resolution for 2024, I want to be able to breathe through my nose more than I have in the past. This always seems to be stuffed up with some cold. We have an opportunity to make a fresh start. As we went through a time of fasting and prayer, as we have done communion, a fresh start, a new year. But if we're not careful, as I said, we can drag all the previous year's stuff into it. And sometimes it can be year after year after year. Maybe we've developed bad habits is something that can happen to us, or we've been in a desert place, spiritually speaking, we can become completely consumed with wrong thinking. As my one friend used to call it, stinking thinking, where it's like, we're thinking wrong. Our thinking is bad. We can live in the belief that nothing will get better or change. That's wrong thinking. We can get caught up in that. We make resolutions, things that we resolve to do. We have the choice to dwell on the past or to press forward in Christ to all that he wants for us. We truly have more choices than we think. Sometimes we think, oh, I don't have any choices. It's all cut out the way that it it is. We have more choices. It's up to us to choose how we'll live in this new year. 
We are responsible for our attitudes and behavior. Sometimes a lot of our problems is that reflection in the mirror that you see looking back at you. We can be the cause of a lot of our problems. I have this quote from a pastor friend of mine. He says, I, I can't blame my bad behavior on the devil. People have that expression, the devil made me do it. I can't blame my bad behavior on the devil, my parents, my spouse, or boss. Not until I take responsibility for my behavior am I empowered to change my behavior. God will help me. No two ways about that. But I must do my part in surrender and obedience. We have this thing where in life we just pass the buck. And we see that in with Adam and Eve. God confronts Adam and he's like, that woman that you gave me, she made me do this. And he confronts the woman. It was that serpent. That serpent made me do it. We have this natural thing. We want to blame somebody else. And if we can always find somebody to blame, it keeps us from taking responsibility for our actions and our behavior. Israel had spent years in exile for their idolatry and disobedience. God was going to bring them back into the land of promise, but they would have to begin to see things in a new way. Again, mindsets and moving forward, changing the way that they see things. They would need to make changes in their conduct and lives. See, if they kept doing what they did in their idolatry, they're not going to see any lasting change. Like the Israelites that left Egypt after 400 years of slavery and bondage, they had to change everything as they began to live as free people, trusting God for everything. They had to get off the mentality that they were slaves. Now they were free and they had to trust God. He had to provide for them. And they ended up being 40 years in the wilderness. If they were stuck in the failures and sin and discouragements of the past, they could never move forward to the new things God had for them. And this can happen to us as well. We can look at all the failures and disappointments and we can stay there. Or we can dust ourselves up, get up and try again. You know, that's one of the things of those of you that have ever ridden a bicycle. It just doesn't come on your first go. Usually you got the scraped knee, you got the scraped elbow. Hopefully you wore a helmet and didn't get a scraped head. Sometimes we have to get up. When we spend mental resources or emotional energy looking backward, we can't move forward to all that God wants for us. We can find ourselves worn out. And that is not how we should be living. That's not God's plan for us. I want you to be weary all of the time. I want you to be barely able to pull the blankets off and get up and face the day. That's not how we should be living. Jesus said that he's come to give us life and life abundantly. Life to the full. That's what his plan is for us. Many Christians today live defeated, worn out, and exhausted. This isn't God's plan. We have to look at that. Why am I feeling worn out and exhausted? What is going on? Because we have an unlimited power and resource in God. Many Christians have become weary running with the footmen, not even thinking that they can run with the horses or soar like eagles. So today, if you have your Bible, your phone, your tablet, we're going to be looking at Isaiah 43. What's going on here? Israel is captive in Babylon. They've been in exile for a number of years. And they get this word through Isaiah, the prophet of God. And he gives them a promise of restoration. But yet, here, at the speaking of this promise, 
They haven't seen the manifestation or the fulfillment of the promise. It's not like the word comes and then they begin to just march out. They haven't seen anything happen. But this word comes. Sometimes when we're in the situation, sometimes when we're in it, we don't see the solution or we don't see it ending. And as I prayed this morning about the season coming to an end, sometimes I think God gives us that where you can look and see those buds on a tree and you begin to know that there's going to be leaves again, that there's going to be hope. Because sometimes when you're in the winter, it feels like forever. Sometimes when you're in it, it's hard to see the other side. What's in front of us may seem like that's all that there is. We may not see the promise yet. And friends, that's a little word that means a lot. We haven't seen the promise yet. But we are called to have perseverance and patience. That's what we're called to do. We have a responsibility. And for us, it's perseverance and patience. God is working things out. For the Israelites who saw their city burn and had been taken captive to Babylon, this is all that they could see. They had already been there a number of years. They had no idea when it was, if ever it was going to end. Friends, it's terrible when you're in captivity. For them, all they knew was captivity and a longing for home. No matter how comfortable, even if it was wonderful in Babylon for them, that wasn't home. They had a longing to be home. The promise or even the idea or hope that they would be restored to their land was almost an impossible thought. And friends, I want to say whatever it is in your life, and each of you are at a different place, a different season, whatever it is that's impossible, what's impossible X, we serve the God of the impossible. So for them having this thought, Isaiah brings the word of God, which is amazing. We need to be refreshed at the word of God. They're in the middle of this. They're in captivity. This is it. But the word comes. They haven't seen it yet, but now they have a thing they have to do is trust that word. Whatever God has promised to you, trust it. Because he is God of the impossible. And whatever that be, you could say it's, if healing is impossible or, or joy is impossible or living free is impossible. We serve the God of the impossible. That's his realm. That's in his wheelhouse. That's his thing. Beginning in verse 1, I have a lot of scripture I'm going to read today, uh, but just bear with me. But now, says the Lord God, your creator. Again, think you're in the problem. They're there in Babylon. This isn't an afterthought. This is in it. But now, says the Lord, your creator, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. Friends, fear is such a strong force. Fear is one of those things that keeps probably most Christians from ever doing anything that God would call them to do. Fear is such a force coming against God's people. It disables us from living by faith. The Bible says that the just shall live by faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. And we're told many times in the scripture to fear not, to not be afraid. Why are we not taking God at his word? If God says, don't be afraid, we should not be afraid. We have a God who is trustworthy and true. And if he says it, what do we have to fear? If he says, don't be afraid, what do we have to fear? Why are we so afraid? Why do we live in such fear? For many, fear has completely frozen them from reaching their potential in Christ. And fear comes in a variety of ways. 
And most things, and I've shared this before, most things according to psychologists that we fear, that we're worried about, never come to happen. Like 80 some percent, like 86 or something percent of what we worry about or what we're fearful of never comes to pass. But yet it keeps us bound and it keeps us from living in the life that God wants for us. The actor Jim Carrey says this. I'm not a big Jim Carrey fan, but I thought it was a good quote. He says, life opens up opportunities to you and you either take them or you stay afraid of taking them. So imagine opportunities open up. Maybe it's at work and there's an opportunity for promotion or something and you're just too afraid to even try. Fear. We don't live in fear. That's not as Sherry says when we're making decisions. I've shared this before. Fear doesn't get a seat at our table. When we're making decisions, it doesn't get the voice it's take on what we're trying to do. We're people of faith. We need to make our decisions in faith and obedience to God's word. It doesn't get a voice in our life. Continuing on verse two. And he says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched, nor will the flame burn you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Friends, take note. It says it right there. We're going to go through the fire and the water. He doesn't spare us from it. But here's what he says. You're going to go through it, but I will be with you. Amen. I will be with you. We don't need to go through anything alone. And the enemy wants to tell you you're facing it alone. You're not alone. I will be with you. Even through all the difficulties, he says, I will be with you. When we know his word, we can take comfort as we go through the fire and the flood. When we know his word and as we trust him, we can do well to remember the time those three Jewish lads got thrown in the fiery furnace. And it says they didn't even smell like smoke. The scent of it wasn't even on their clothes. If he needs to, he'll save us from the fire. They still went into that furnace. The Israelites went into the Red Sea. God parted it. His word is our foundation and our standard. It's his word that we should be believing and trusting. He reminds them and us that although they went into the fire, he was with them. And lastly, he adds that personal bit that he's their God. See, maybe they felt in that land that they were abandoned. We're in Babylon. We've blown it so bad. And God says, no, no, you're still mine. Friends, today, if you've blown it and fallen down multiple times, he's still your God, and you're still his. And he says, I'm your God. I'm the God of Israel and your Savior. Friends, there's only one who can save. We trust him to bring us all the way through our whole lives and into all eternity. And he's with us wherever that we go, even into the fire, even into the flood. Between the captivity and Babylon. So that's one thing that God promises this. That's great. But we're in Babylon. We're hundreds of miles. And between us and there is a wilderness. There's dangers. There's all kinds of stuff that can happen. Between the captivity and Babylon and the return to Israel was hundreds of miles of wilderness. And God says, don't be afraid because he would make a road in the wilderness. He would provide rivers in the desert. And even protect them from animals. 
So if we're saying to God, and I love that, I think that God loves our honesty, and if we said to God, God, I know you want me to do X, I know you want me to come to the Jericho Cafe and speak and minister to these teenagers, but I'm afraid. I think he wants us to tell him when we're afraid, because guess what? When we bring our excuses, they can say, well, we're going to just stay in Babylon. There's wild animals, there's, there's floods, there's all kinds of stuff. When God can take our excuses off the table, that's where he wants us. We could bring him our excuses, and I think if we're honest, he wants our honesty, but we can't stay there. They needed to remember that God protected and provided for Israel for 40 years in the wilderness. So God's saying the wilderness isn't a difficulty. That's not a hardship. Oh, you're worried about wild animals? Do you remember me closing the mouths of lions? Like, that's not an issue. You're going to do what I've asked if you believe and trust me. If he did it before, he could certainly do it again. Right? They've seen rivers part in their history with Joshua. The Jordan River parted. They saw the Red Sea, and they knew the story of God doing that. They were to return to the land that he promised them and know that he was with them. See, friends, sometimes we want God to tell us other information, and sometimes that's what he tells us. You'll go through the water, you'll go through the flood, but I'm with you. And then, guess what? Lace up your boots and get moving. That's what he's saying. He's not saying worry about all the particulars and this and that. We want all, the, we want all this stuff. We want to have like an Apple contract when you go to do your phone, 45 pages. No, he says, I'll be with you. If he needs to make a road in the wilderness, if he needs to part the sea or whatever needs to be done, trust him to do it as you obey him and move forward. If he's telling you to move, you need to move and leave it up to him. He says to them, continuing on, I have given Egypt as your ransom, Cush and Seba in your place. Since you are precious in my sight, since you are honored and I love you, I will give other men in your place and other people in exchange for your life. And he says again, do not fear, for I am with you. I love if you read sometimes that God always says things multiple times. Usually if it says at once, we should obey. At once is enough. But he's so kind and he keeps reassuring us. And he says, do not fear for I'm with you. And again, this is spoken while they're still in Babylon. They've not seen anything happen. It isn't like the king came to them and's like, oh, by the way, guess what? Tomorrow morning, we're going to send you, send you on your way. They knew the judgment of God. They were in Babylon in exile because they had disobeyed and their idolatry and they did all the wrong stuff. They saw their nation fall. They saw their city burn. But God reminds them that they're precious in his sight. Sometimes it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. We know the judgments of God. We can look at them in the scriptures, but his kindness. And he says, you're precious in my sight. That they're honored, although they gave God dishonor. But he honors them. And he says, you're loved. Friends, we need to know that. If we just stay in our failures... We need to know that we're honored, that we're loved. We need to get up and do what God's called us to do. And he says again, do not be afraid, I'm with you. This is so profound. What a good God that we serve. He's not rubbing their nose in it. He's not beating and, and piling on that they're already in this calamity. He's like, no, no, we're going to do something. I'm going to take you back into your land. Friends, even today, if it seems like nothing is happening. You've been praying about this over and over for years. If it seems like nothing is happening, 
and it seems like you're still in a far off place, know that one, he is with you. And that's key. And two, that you need to have no fear. If he spoke it, he will bring it to pass. Continuing on, and he says, and I'll bring your offspring from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up, and to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name and whom I have created for my glory, whom I have formed, even whom I've made, he will bring them home to their nation. He will fulfill his promise. God is a promise-keeping God. If he said it, he'll do it, and he means what he says, and he keeps his promises. Even if it's from the farthest corners of the earth, and we see this happening even today. In the land of Israel, people are coming from the, all across the world, they're coming. There is nothing that can stop the word of the Lord. We need to know that. He spoke, and at his word, the world was made. Maybe we need to remember that our God is all-powerful. In verse 13, he says, Even from eternity I am he, and there is none who can deliver out of my hand. I act, and who can reverse it? It's almost like God's, I mean, God's God, but it's almost like he's challenging. If there's anyone that can stop what I have to say, please, please step forward. We need to know when God says it, we need to trust what he says. We need to put our excuses just in the back seat and do what he's called us to do. Who can reverse or go back against what he said? He's in control. God reassures them that he's their savior, their creator, and their king. The Egyptians pursued the Israelites in the Red Sea. They went back, or they went in after them. And it says the sea came back. And they got to see chariots and horsemen and Egyptians all over the shore. Because God was with the Israelites. And if God has done it before, he can do it again. And friends, that's what we need to know. We've seen God move. We went up to uh, Lewis and seen, even now there's after effects of that revival. There's still like a residue that's there. And we've seen him do it before, and he can certainly do it again. Why would we think that God couldn't? What would stop him from moving as he is sovereign? Who would dare come out against God and his word? We'll finish off this passage. In verse 18, he says, Do not call to mind the former things or ponder things of the past. Behold, I will do something new. Now it will spring forth. Will you not be aware of it? I will even make a roadway in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. And what's interesting, in the, first, or the couple of previous verses, they're told to look back and remember all that God did. Remember the Red Sea. Remember what I did in the Jordan River. Remember the men in the fiery furnace. But in this one, he says, do not remember the former things or consider the things of old. God shows us that there's in a sense which we, we remember the past. And we should well remember the past and honor those memorial stones, those things where God has come through in our lives. Maybe a God's answered prayer. Maybe God has done something miraculous in your life. So remember the past. Honor the past in light of God's great work on our behalf. But also we must forsake and forget the past with all of its discouragements and defeats and failures and mistakes. Friends, we need to move on to what God has called us in the future. David Guzik says this, often when God makes a promise, we worry about the details or the obstacles for the fulfillment of the promise. God replies to us, 
Don't worry about it at all. I will even make a road in the wilderness. I have resources and plans that you don't know about. Leave those problems to me. See, we want to take on this this worry and we want to take on this concern and how will this come to be? How will will the, the promise be fulfilled? God's saying, I've got this. Did you ever see in those things where Maybe somebody in a film where they have a, maybe a bunch of people that are going to fight them, and you get that guy that gets forward, and he just puts them, he's like, I got this. Like he just pushes them behind. Like God's like, I got this. I got this. You're not here worrying about this. This isn't where you're supposed to be. You're supposed to be obedient to the promise. You're supposed to stay in the lane that I have for you. I got this. The beasts of the field will glorify me, the jackals and ostriches, because I have given waters in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my chosen people. The people whom I formed for myself will declare my praise. My pastor friend says this, if you never let go of yesterday, you will never thrive in tomorrow. Friends, sometimes we're spending too much energies concerned about the past things We need to know what he's calling us in the future. We have a high calling in Christ. We need to be moving and pressing onward. We need to be pressing forward to that high calling. If we're continually looking backward or we're bogged down with the past, we cannot truly reach the destination that God wants for us. Friends, we have a new year before us. We have a clean slate, if you will. Many things are out of our control. But here are a few things that we can control. We can keep a God-focused heart and mind. That's up to us. We can forgive and move forward. Friends, forgiveness is a powerful, powerful thing. And many of us maybe carry too many hurts from the past. Maybe this is the time we need to forgive. And I know you may say, you know, but, but Pastor Mike, you don't know what they did to me. No, I don't. No, I don't. God knows. But I know that he says that if you don't forgive, you won't be forgiven. Forgiveness is a powerful thing. And maybe it's time that we forgive. Something that we can control. We can have peace with God and peace from God. We can choose to be thankful especially in all circumstances. We can choose to be thankful in the difficult times. We can choose to worship when we're broken and we barely can have a song in our heart. Paul says, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. My prayer is that we would look with hope Maybe for the first time, maybe in a long time, that we have hope for the new year and all that God wants to do. I know for Linda and Rosina, the hope of what God wants to do in this Nungate and Community Center to reach these families, finally getting to see some of that harvest come in. We may not know what the future holds, as that old adage says, but we know who holds the future. Friends, just imagine if we started to live this year without fear that's holding us back, whatever it be. What if we were like, let's go for it. God, I feel that God's calling me to X. God wants me to go and knock on doors and pray for people for healing. If that's what God's asking you to do, you need to do it. Whatever it be, 
Change may not happen overnight, but if you quit, it won't happen at all. We have to stay at it. May we keep moving forward in him. That's what he's called us to do. I told you, for the Christian, I believe there's two, two postures. We're taking ground or we're standing ground. We're not retreating. We shouldn't be giving ground to the enemy, not in our lives, in our families. He is our strength. He is our protector. He says to us to not be afraid. That's not my words. That's his words. He is the victor and the keeper of our souls and eternities. Resolve to follow him. That's a good resolution. If you want a resolution for the new year, resolve to follow him like never before. Draw near to Christ. Cut out anything that is keeping you from him. Let's pray. Thank you for listening. Please tune in next week for another inspirational message. If you're in the East Lothian area, visit us online at haddingtonelamchurch.com for information about how you can join us for our weekly Sunday services.